Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, NFL fans? Welcome back to another episode of the NFL Whip Around 9 version. I'm Jeff Hartman, joined by Coach KT Smith. KT, what is up? Uh, nothing, man. Week 9. We're halfway there, the NFL season. That's That seems crazy. It feels like things just got rolling, and here we are already halfway there, and it'll be Thanksgiving soon and the cold Gosh. weather, and we'll be talking playoffs. Man, stuff goes fast. I love the holidays. I love everything about the holidays, but it also is a stark reminder how fast the season goes. The off season seems like it drags on forever. And yet the regular season just seems to fly by. I cannot believe we've already wrapped up nine weeks of NFL action. And that's going to be the main talking point here is that we are kind of talking about where we are as an NFL from an overall landscape at the midway point. So let's get the, Hey, let's get right into this thing. If you had to issue a statement, about the National Football League in 2023 based on what we've seen in the first half of the season, what would it be? And you told me that I can't talk about officiating, so I guess I'm going to have to think <laughs> about something else. But, Coach, what about you? What What would you say is that one statement from the first half? Yeah, it's it's been a really interesting first half of the season, and there's a lot of takeaways. But for me, the big takeaway is that scoring's down. And so if I had to issue a statement about that, I would say that the primary reason that scoring is down is because of the turnover at the quarterback position in the league over the last few years. I mean, if you think about it, in the last few years, we've seen Tom Brady, Ben Roethlisberger, Philip Rivers, Matt Ryan, a lot of these veterans who have been gr- who were great for decades uh, retire, move away from the game. Aaron Rodgers, you know, is still in the game, but he's not playing right now because of the injury, et cetera. And in their place, we've seen a lot of young quarterbacks step into the league. And I think those young quarterbacks are really struggling in a way that the veterans did not struggling with reading defenses, struggling to acclimate to the speed of the NFL game. And so when people talk about the reasons for why scoring is down, I think that that's the biggest one. And that that's sort of a natural ebb and flow that you're going to get when you get a, a turnover at the most important position in the sport. And it'll be really interesting to see how quickly some of these young quarterbacks can catch up. Will will this be a temporary thing? And, you know, two years from now, when, when the, the, these young quarterbacks mature a little bit, will scoring take off again? Or are they just not as good? You know, we, we, the guys I just named are, 
pretty much all Hall of Famers? Was that just a generation of quarterbacks that was phenomenal and really sparked this scoring revolution in the league? And the new guys just simply aren't as good? Or will the new guys catch up eventually? That'll be really interesting to watch. So yours was that the scoring is down. I'm going to say that mine is the parity is up. Because when you think about the National Football League, th- there's been upsets. I mean, you think about the Jets beating the Eagles, like these these games are the Denver Broncos beating the Kansas City Chiefs last week, and not not this week, nine week eight. You're like, man, this is just weird. We've talked about this before on the show. You have a very small group of elite teams in the National Football League. You've got a very small group of bottom feeders that you know aren't going anywhere, and they have no playoff aspirations. They're essentially playing for a draft pick, and you have maybe the largest number of teams that I would say are right in the middle. I mean, you think about all the five and three teams, the five and four teams still very much alive in this overall arch overarching, you know, scheme of playoff contention, wild card races, whatever you want to call it. They are still alive. This is what the NFL wants. Some call it watered down. It's a watered down product. It's not as good, but this is what the league wants. They want you going into every single week, asking who's going to win and that there's no guarantee that the, the d- predominant favorite is going to win. So that's what I, that's my takeaway or my statement from the first half of the season is that parity is up maybe more than I've, I can remember coach. Do you agree with that with that statement? Yeah, it really does make it hard to anticipate what's going to happen. Our buddy Pez, I don't envy him. I don't yeah. envy that his job trying to pick games. It's a really difficult thing to do right now simply because of that that parity and that unpredictability Uh, I also think that there are mitigating factors involved in the parity and and you've you've again I (laughs) you joked about it I said you weren't allowed to talk about the officiating but the way that the game is being called is definitely affecting the product of play it's it's having an impact on games and it's having an impact on strategy and, uh, and it's really interesting to see how quickly teams adapt and adjust to it. So I just broke the rule there and talked a little bit about the officiating. But to me, that's not so, so much an officiating issue as it is the broader way in which league officials are trying to reshape the game. Yeah, it, it's it's making it so that these games are being, okay, it looks like it's one-sided. It looks like the predictability is there. And next thing you know, boom, boom, calls made, and now all of a sudden everything changes. I'll give you the perfect example. Sunday, 425 kickoff, Eagles, Cowboys, everyone's stoked out of their mind to watch this game. Think about the last drive that the Philadelphia Eagles had. Okay, you have a questionable pass interference call. I would say it's at least pass interference on the on the, the Philadelphia Eagles. That's a spot foul. Then they throw a flag on Hassan Reddick for roughing the passer. And just like that, you have a personal foul, dead ball call. You've got the spot foul for the pass interference. The, the Dallas Cowboys go from, I believe, the 25 to pass midfield in one play. And you think about that, and you're just like, wow, like this game and this ending completely flipped on its head almost in the drop of a hat. And that's the way it is right now. You just don't know what's going to happen. And sometimes these officiating calls, it's what they let go, and then they call in certain instances. It's inconsistent. I'm not going to get started down this path. Let's move on. Let's go to the next one. Let's talk about (laughs) who our half-season MVP is. Who is your most valuable player in the NFL at the midway point? 
Well, first of all, I'm not I'm not going to answer this because I'm going to kick it to you first because I want to oh. see I want to see if as a Steelers fan you will name Lamar Jackson your half season. He's an MVP. <laughs> not going with Lamar Jackson. Get the hell out of here. No way I'm going Lamar Jackson. I'll give you another quarterback. Because when I look, I, I view the MVP different. And I, I remember when I was coaching, you know, I would do the, the most valuable player on my team for that specific season. It's who provides the most value to your team. I can think of no one. It's me. It's, it's Jalen Hurts from the Philadelphia Eagles. If he's not there, they're not nearly as good. We've seen the Ravens win without Lamar Jackson. We have. We've seen them be successful and make the playoffs without Lamar Jackson. I don't think, I don't even know who Philadelphia's backup is, but I guarantee you it's nothing near what Jalen Hurts provides. The way that he's handling that offense, that change in coordinator, I think that he is the most valuable player for his team. And I think that because they're eight and one and they're the best team in the league right now, that's my pick is Jalen Hurts. Are you going with Lamar? Please tell me you're not going with Lamar. No, I am not. I'm okay. not going with Lamar. You and I are in agreement. I was going to say Miles Garrett just to see what you would do. Would do. Oh, <laughs> I was going to throw. Has I don't know, Jeff, it's between Miles Garrett and Lamar Jackson. <laughs> yeah. If I if I if I uh, did a debate between Lamar and Miles Garrett, we might cancel the show. But uh, no, I agree with 100. percent I mean, I, I feel as though the, the Philadelphia Eagles are are even though they're they're eight and one. They're, I feel like they're underrated. I feel as though yeah. people are just kind of, I don't want to say sleeping on the Eagles, but at the same time with everything else going on in the league and some of the other more interesting storylines, people forget just how good Philly is. They haven't been dominating teams, but they've got uh, you know new coordinators on both sides of the ball. And the thing that has really just kind of kept them on point and, and been the steadiest thing about them has been Jalen Hurts. When you watch him play, Every single game, there's always a moment in the game where you feel like, hey, you know, the Eagles don't look great. And and maybe the Eagles aren't as good as people say they are. And then Jalen Hurts does a couple of special things and Philadelphia wins the football game. His leadership and his ability to sort of rally the team at the right moment is just something that not everybody has. And that's an, that'll be an interesting thing to see with Lamar Jackson. I mean, Baltimore's been steamrolling teams. And you have to give them a ton of credit for that. But what will Lamar Jackson be in the close games? He's not always shown himself to be the most clutch guy. And if you're an MVP, you have to show up when things are the most challenging and when the game's on the line. And Jalen Hurts has shown that over and over again that he's capable of doing that. So I agree, man. He's he's my choice as well. It's really difficult for me not to be a homer with this question. Because in my opinion, and, and you can take the Steelers sweatshirt that I'm wearing off my back, but to answer this question honestly in terms of the one individual that brings the most value to their team, and if they're not there, the value completely bottoms out and they become just nothing close to what they were. It's not Jalen Hurts. It's not Lamar Jackson. It's, it's TJ Watt. Because when TJ Watt's not playing, the Steelers have won one game and tied a game. They've lost all the other ones. It's remarkable how poor this team is when one guy isn't in the lineup and those that aren't Steeler fans don't really know what he provides and we're talking about the splash plays you think about the interception in the third quarter against the LA Rams you think about these incredible strip sacks and plays that he makes he is the most valuable player in my opinion in the entire league but no one would ever take an outside linebacker 
in a three, four scheme as the most viable player, unless you're a Steeler fan. Do you agree? Yeah, nobody's going to do that, but you are right. And the statistics back you up. Uh, and the Steelers are not in the, in the broader conversation right now amongst the best teams in the league They're They seem to be getting pegged as the worst five and three team in, in NFL history right now, but it yes. is amazing. You are correct. What, what he, what TJ Watt does for that football team, no doubt. He's a game changer. Like there's people that are game changers, game wreckers. He's both. Yeah, he's it's it's a different category, but let's move on. Let's go to our third topic. We're trying to predict at the midway point, the AFC and NFC championship games based on what we've seen so far. Let's start with the American football conference. I think this is really difficult because I could talk myself into a whole bunch of different teams that make the AFC championship game. But coach right now, what's your prediction for the AFC championship game? I agree. It is tricky. And the way we, you know, you can't accurately do that until you know the playoff brackets and the seedings and all right. that. But if we're just talking about what two teams do I feel are most likely right now to end up in the AFC championship game, I think it's Kansas City and Cincinnati. I think Cincinnati is hitting their stride. They've done this a couple times in the past few seasons where they started slowly and then really came on at the end. I thought that I watched them against Buffalo on Sunday night. I thought they looked really good. Uh, they're 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 a very complete football team, and when the defense is playing well and the offense is doing what it does, they got a lot of different ways in which they can beat you. They can win low scoring games. They can win shootouts. Obviously, the Kansas City Chiefs for me they're going to be the standard bearer in the AFC until somebody knocks them off again. I mean, Kansas or uh, Cincinnati did a few years ago. I don't buy the Dolphins just yet. Again, they've they've lost three games to the three good teams they played, and they've won five against the five bad teams they play, and that doesn't bode well for them down the road. And, the, and while the Ravens are, are playing the best football maybe in the entire conference right now, we've seen the Ravens get hot and then cool off, and we and we know that they're one Lamar Jackson injury away from having their season uh, up in smoke. So for me right now, I, I would take Kansas City and Cincinnati. That's a good pick. It really is a good pick. Kansas City, though, there's something off about this team. I cannot put my finger on it. It's almost as if they're winning by defense, which yep, sounds really exactly crazy. And it's just the Travis Kelsey and Patrick Mahomes show. They really don't have anything else that is a let's hang our hat on this because we do this well. It, it seems like it's just that tandem that's really getting the job done. So I have my hesitations about Kansas City being able to sustain that. So I'm going to say that Kansas City does not make it to the AFC Championship game. I'm going to go a different route. I'm going to go Cincinnati, and I'm going to go Miami. Because Miami, even though they lost that game in Germany, that game I thought was getting out of control early, and they definitely did steady things down, and they made it close. I thought they were going to get blown out, to be honest with you. But honestly, it was, it was a game where they didn't play their best football, Everyone's going to say that they're not up to snuff based on the what you just said about the Dolphins, and now they've lost three games to the winning teams that they've played. I think this is a team with a ton of talent. I think this is a team that absolutely is going to be there when all is said and done, and I think Cincinnati is just starting to get rolling. You look you that, that that trio, I mean, you saw it last night or on Sunday night against the Buffalo Bills. T. Higgins, Jamar Chase, Tyler Boyd, Joe Mixon, it's pick your poison. And Joe Burrow is starting to settle in, and that's scary too. So I'm going to go with Cincinnati and Miami 
for my AFC championship game. I just think there's something about Miami. What about the NFC coach? Where do you see the NFC going? Uh, I'm going to ride the Lions, man. Uh, you know, like, oh, okay. I think, well, first of all, Philly. I think Philly's getting to the championship yeah. game. Philly's, Philly's going to have home field advantage. They're probably going to get the number one seed. They're going to get that all-important bye week. They'll they'll play one playoff game at home against a, a, an opponent who probably won't be, uh, you know, a tremendous football team. And, and they'll win that game. And they'll get to host the NFC Championship, and and I, I just think Detroit right now is obviously playing good football. They're six and two, but they've got a they just got a little mojo right now about them. They've got a vibe about them that feels like if they can get over the the hump, the first round playoff game. They haven't won a playoff game since 1991. I mean, 1991. They haven't won a playoff yeah. game since an awful lot of people that you and I know have been alive. And if they can win that first one, it it feels as though they'll get a little bit of momentum and and you know they'll they'll get that belief about them. They'll win that second one. They'll get to the championship game. So I, I like Philly, Detroit. I can't get watching Detroit go to Baltimore and get absolutely boat raced by the Ravens out of my head. I can't. I watch that game and thinking, okay, Detroit, here they go. Even though they're going to Baltimore, it's a tough place to play. Let's see what this team is made of because Lamar Lamar Jackson and the Ravens are a good litmus test, and that was ugly. And I can't get that out of my brain, so I'm not going with Detroit. I am going Philly, and then it becomes to me, is it San Fran or is it Dallas? Which is it that's going to get there? I can see San Francisco, if Christian McCaffrey's fully healthy, coming off the bye week, they get Debo Samuel back, Brandon Ayuk. If they can figure things out offensively, which I trust trust Kyle Shanahan to be able to figure it out, and I don't think Brock Purdy's going to suck the whole season, I'm going to go with San Francisco. I think you have a San Francisco-Philadelphia NFC Championship game, a repeat of last year. Let's see who gets into the dance. So let's let's predict the Super Bowl then. You had your AFC and NFC Championship games. Who is the representative from each conference? If I If I were picking right now, I'd say Philadelphia against Cincinnati. I think that's a good Super Bowl. I think that that's a game where you you get two football teams that are going to probably be playing their best football at the end of the season. That's really what it comes down to. It comes down to injuries and who's peaking at the right time. And like you said, Kansas City's got some things to figure out. They're they're scoring six points less per game this year than they did last year. That's a lot. And uh, and whether or not they can fix it is is debatable. Cincinnati just seems to be on the rise right now. And I like the Detroit as a feel good story, but I don't, but not going into Philly in January yeah. and winning there. So, yeah, I think that'd be a great Super Bowl, Philly, Cincinnati. Who do you got? That's that's who I would have. I'd have the same exact Super Bowl between the four teams that I predicted, and uh, that would be like you said, it'd be a really, really good Super Bowl. The NFL would be very happy with that matchup, and uh, I think it would be a very entertaining game. We'll see how that plays out. Let's go to the the fourth topic on the NFL whip round. And that's a division that we have been following very closely. The AFC North, everyone thought that it could be the toughest division in football, and it's lived up to the hype of the fact that all four teams are at five and three or better. Now, is it possible that all four teams make the playoffs? Yes, technically. More likely, there's three out of four. Who do you think is the odd man out, though, when all said and done, Coach? Right. So based on the conversation that that we're having we both feel it's a pretty safe bet that Baltimore and Cincinnati are in. So that yes. means it's a question of whether or not it's Pittsburgh or Baltimore or, uh, or Cleveland. Um, 
I mean, obviously the homer in me wants to say that it's the Steelers. Pittsburgh's got a fairly favorable schedule. Uh, it, it sets up pretty good for them. They, they've got some big division games. To, uh, they've got four of those remaining. Uh, but beyond the division, this, the, the schedule's fairly soft. I think the key for the Steelers is going to be whether or not they can improve on offense the way that they did in the second half of last season. Pittsburgh went 7-2 and two down the stretch last year, and the offense got – significantly better as the season went on, went along. If the same thing happens this year, I think that the Steelers are a fairly safe bet uh, because Cleveland has their own issues on offense, whereas Pittsburgh seem a, a lot more fixable to me than Cleveland's do. Cleveland is without Nick Chubb. They're without Jack Conklin. Those are two huge pieces in their offense. And Deshaun Watson hasn't been great. He's been in and out of the lineup with injuries. It just feels to me like Cleveland's going to struggle all year long on offense. Now, both of those teams have really good defenses. Cleveland's got a great defense right now. And the defenses are carrying those teams. But I just, I don't know. I have a sense that that the Steelers are going to figure some things out on offense. And, you know, probably come down to the division games. And and I just I just like Pittsburgh. I'm with you. And, you know, the 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 Browns just lost another offensive lineman. Jedrick Willis is uh I think he has a PCL injury and an MCL tear injured reserve. He's probably headed in that direction. He's going to miss some of those critical games. Cleveland plays Baltimore this week. They've got Pittsburgh coming up. They still have another game against Cincinnati. These games that he's going to miss, like that's another piece of their puzzle. And even if you watch them play, like you said, Deshaun Watson's not playing great. He's also been under duress a lot. So for me, I think the Pittsburgh's defense is going to set them up. Uh, to have every opportunity to be that team. If the three teams do get into the playoffs from the AFC North, the question, like you said, is going to be the offense. Can the offense get the job done? The talent is there. The potential is there. I think that, like you said, if they can just maybe run the ball more efficiently in the second half, it could be as simple as that. They could find their way into the postseason. I don't think any team, any division has ever had four representatives in the playoffs. And I, I just do not see a world where that happens in, in, in the AFC this year, because, Oh, let me ask you this. If let's say there's only three teams, where's the other, where's the other playoff team coming from? Well, that's the interesting thing because if the playoffs started today, all four AFC North Correct. teams would be in because yeah. in the East Buffalo is somehow five and four. And in the South, only Jacksonville is going to make it. And the West has been bad as well. I mean, the, the Chargers are, are three and four. Everybody thought that they'd be a lot better. They're three and four going into Monday night's game with the Jets. So, so yeah, that's it's really a good question. I mean, Buffalo yeah. could certainly turn it on, but it, it may come down to tiebreakers. And you, you may actually be looking at a scenario where all four make it. That would be fascinating. That that would be, and I I would have to put my money on Buffalo to rebound a little bit and and make their case. The L.A. Chargers the same. I just don't see a way that all four teams. But if they did, that would be wild. That would be wild. That would be a first for sure. But let's uh let's look into our crystal ball here a little bit uh, towards the end of this whip round podcast, and let's talk about a storyline from the for the second half of the season that you, maybe no one sees coming. So we're talking about hey, what's a storyline? that no one's predicting that you can see actually coming to fruition. What do you got coach? I think we find out that the entire league is fixed because of the officiating, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that the fix is in. Woo, there he is. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
No, all right. Okay, I'll be serious. I'm going to go out on a limb here. All right, here's my here's the limb I'm going to go out on. Not not so far out as to say that they will make the playoffs, but I think the Denver Broncos turn it around. I think the Denver Broncos figure some stuff out. Uh, I you know I thought that their win over Kansas City two weeks ago was fairly convincing. I think that they figured some things out defensively. They still have statistically one of the worst defenses in the NFL. They're last in yards allowed and last in points per game. A lot of that, though, is still the fallout from giving up 70 points and 700 yards to Miami. But they're, they've gotten more sound defensively. They've made some changes, whatever they might be. I haven't studied them enough to know exactly what they've changed up. Uh, but they've been much, much better in the last couple of weeks. It's pretty crazy. They gave up 70 to, to Miami, and then they held the Chiefs uh, to, I think, eight points, whatever it was, a couple of weeks ago. But I, I think that Sean Payton's a great coach. I really do. I think that his style is tough for younger players at times that you have to acclimate to him. He's by no means a touchy feely players coach kind of guy, but he can coach. And if Denver's buying in and if they've figured out some of the things that, uh, that were causing them problems on defense, they could make a little run again. I don't think they're making a playoff run. The AFC is too good, but I think you know the narrative about them a couple of weeks ago were they were they were one of the worst teams in the NFL and and they were going to gut the roster or fire a bunch of coaches, and I think that they could finish respectably and rewrite the narrative on their season. That's good. I wouldn't see that coming. That's for sure. I'll give you another one from the AFC, and that is we just talked about all the teams that could be potentially vying for a wild card spot. I'll give you one we didn't talk about that might surprise some people, and that's the Houston Texans. The Houston Texans are a young team. They've got a first-year head coach, first-year signal caller, rookie quarterback who's playing lights-out football right now. They're a young, hungry team, and they're a team that that win against Tampa Bay this past Sunday. Maybe it doesn't maybe it's a blip on some people's radars. That was a huge moment for the Houston Texans. If you watch that, they were dead to rights. The, te- the, the, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers score a touchdown. They hit the tight end for a score. You're thinking this game is over and they drive down the field and they score the game winning touchdown. CJ Stroud just goes berserk. This team is going to be a team to be reckoned with. In my opinion, down the stretch, I think that D'Amico Ryan is building something very special down there. They've gotten a lot of draft picks. They've actually turned those into good draft picks. And if I'm a Texans fan, I'm really excited. And I think this team's going to be competitive. They're in a very poor division. They've already beaten the Jacksonville Jaguars this year. They've, you know, there's a lot of football left to be played, coach. If there's a storyline no one is talking about, that's one I'm looking at. The Houston. Yeah, that's a good one. Look at the blueprint that they're emulating in Houston. You know, you've got Ryan's. And you got Bobby Slowick, both both the offense coordinator, both those guys come over from the 49ers. Yep. So they're really sort of emulating San Francisco's game plans on both sides of the ball. They're doing a great job protecting CJ Stroud. You think about why, why do a lot of these young quarterbacks in the NFL get ruined? They get ruined because they get absolutely assaulted as rookies behind these bad offensive lines and they never learn to read coverage properly and they and they never learn to stay in the pocket because they're you know they're just getting hammered and what they're doing in Houston is they're max, max protecting CJ Stroud a lot and they're moving him out of the pocket a lot so that he doesn't have to worry as much about the rush as some of these other teams just the ability to to allow him to get comfortable and so he can go through his progressions has been a huge benefit 
benefit to him early in his career. You contrast that to like what's going on down in Carolina with Bryce Young, who's just being hammered, or, or Anthony Richardson in Indianapolis, who took a ton of shots and now he's out for the season. I think their approach has been really smart with C.J. Stroud, and obviously the success is there. Do you think – this is a little sidebar question. Do you think that the Carolina Panthers right now are saying, oh, damn it, when <laughs> they see C.J. Stroud lighting up the, the scoreboard and they're thinking, man, did we pick the right guy? Taking Bryce Young first overall? You think they have some buyer's remorse? <laughs> I think the opposite is true. I think C.J. Stroud is looking at the Carolina Panthers and going, <laughs> oh, thank God they didn't take me first. You know, I think I think it has Very a lot good. to do yeah. with, with with the franchise and with and with how they approach it. You know, there, there's a decent chance that that they could be ruining C.J. Stroud right now instead of Bryce Young. That is very true. Very, very true. All right. The player profile is one that we're both probably excited to talk about a little bit today. And that is one Joshua Dobbs. We know him from his time in Pittsburgh, but the guy is kind of turning his career into a Ryan Fitzpatrick type career. He's playing all over the place. He goes into Minnesota, wins a game coach. Why don't you talk about Joshua Dobbs? And then I might fill in the gaps in case you miss something. Oh yeah. It's fantastic, man. I mean, I'll just talk about, you know, what, what happened this past week and you, you know, you can talk about his year, uh, in general, but just this past week, he gets traded to Minnesota in the wake of the Kirk Cousins injury. He doesn't even practice with the team. He doesn't know anything about the offense. He has to learn the snap count on the sideline. The offensive linemen are instructing him on the snap count on the sideline because he has to go in because the backup, who's now the starter, gets hurt. Kevin O'Connell's got to explain the plays to him through the through the headset. You got 14 seconds to do it, so he's got to call the play and basically tell him like, "You throw it to the tight end on this one." And, and he goes 20 out of 30 uh, and rushes for 60-some yards and, and, and engineers a last-minute comeback as they, as they beat the Falcons. It's a phenomenal story. This is a dude uh, – we used to joke when he was with the Steelers about, like, oh, you'd have to be a rocket scientist to figure out some of what the Steelers are doing. This is a guy who – he's a rocket scientist. He was an, yeah. he was an aerospace engineer in college. Uh, it's an amazing story. He's – you know, talk, want to talk about a guy who's really making the most – out of his second and third acts here in the NFL, Josh Dobbs. Yes. Uh, you know, this is a guy that in the off season spends time at NASA and he's doing work with, you know, their airspeed, the engineering program there. And, and he's a, an extremely bright young man like that. He is yes, a rocket scientist, but he is, he is not just book smart. He is someone that is, that is very, very intelligent. Uh, I'll go a different direction with Joshua Dobbs. Uh, for those that have seen him, obviously he probably looks a little different. Most of the time that what you notice about him is he doesn't have eyebrows. That's because he suffers from alopecia. Alopecia is a autoimmune disorder where the human body, the, the hair follicles can't survive and therefore they lose all their hair. My son has that same affliction. So therefore I've always had a soft spot for Joshua Dobbs. He has done a lot in that community. Uh, he's just a really good guy. Like that, that's something that people in the hockey world say all the time. Boy, what a great human being. Joshua Dobbs is a great human being. His football story is great, but so is his story off the field. Go back to his days at Tennessee. You go to how he came to the league with the Steelers, goes to Jacksonville, back to the Steelers. You know, when Ben Roethlisberger used to come off the field, most of the time it's the starter and the backup that are talking to one another. He didn't talk to Mason Rudolph. He went over to Joshua Dobbs in street clothes, and they would break down what are you seeing? Well, what are you thinking? They Ben Roethlisberger trusted Joshua Dobbs' opinion, and I'm not shocked that Kevin O'Connell is saying, "Hey, you got to do X, Y, and Z on this play." 
and he's able to go out and execute because he's that kind of guy. He's a super smart dude. But real quick, what would that even sound like? You're the offensive coordinator. That's something you do. You did that this season for your team. If I'm the if I'm a quarterback, and this is what it would be like, because I have no idea what the hell you're talking about. Tell me what would be coming through the headset in 14 seconds so that I can read off the play to the offensive line and the, the skill position players and still know what I'm doing. What would that sound like? So you would call the play, right? So some kind of formation. I mean, I'll use I'll use like one of our high school play calls sure. as an example. Yeah. So you you'd say something like, you know, Trey Wright's 61 stick choice. Right. So Trey Wright is your formation. 61 is your pass protection. Stick choice is your route concept. So we're going to run a stick concept to the three receiver side and we're going to run a choice route to the single receiver on the backside. Right. So you're going to say uh, Trey Wright, 61 stick choice. Read, you know, read the single receiver or, or read the read the two high Two If it's too high, we're working the single side. If, if it's you know, if they're if they're rotated to the to the single side, we're working the stick. You're just that's all you're saying. And you got 14 okay. seconds to do it and you're 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 giving him a talking point essentially that's going to basically re- relocate his eyes you know he, he needs to know yeah. where his eyes go yeah and that's crazy because i i'm just sitting here like i'm okay thinking about if you're in an nfl game all right trade whatever 65 stick on two on two ready break and then you're talking to me still because you have some time left and you're telling me okay like you got to read the coverage here if it's too high that's incredible like that's incredible what he did in that game Joshua Dobbs is one of the good guys. I like that player profile coach. Very good. So any final thoughts there before we call it a show? No, I mean, you know, as it's been a really entertaining half season in the NFL, a lot things that we like, things that we don't like. And that's what makes it, that's what makes it compelling. If if it was all just, you know, Hey, Oh, it's ever, everything's so wonderful. The NFL is so perfect. It'd be boring. And so the fact that an imperfect league, the fact that the league has some drama about it makes makes conversations like these interesting. Obviously you'd like to see them straighten out some of the things that are, that, that uh, are eroding the integrity of the game, but at the same time, what's taken place on the field has been really compelling. So I, I hope it continues. Yeah. It's been a fun half of the season. I look forward to the second half of the season and even into the playoffs. It's going to be a lot of fun diagnosing this on a week to week basis. Coach, why don't you tell everyone two things? One, what's coming up on the call sheet podcast and two, how they can find you on social media. Yeah, so the call sheet we're 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 doing some awards. We're doing some midseason awards. Uh, not really so much of the traditional variety. We're not talking so much midseason MVP and things like that, but just a little bit more of the obscure awards. Things that I think have to do with scheme and coaching, and uh, you know, just some fun things I think are kind of funny. Hopefully, the, the audience will. So it's it's a little more of a lighthearted uh, nice. call sheet this week and. You know, you can find me over on Twitter uh, at KT Smith FFSN and, uh, and then on the on the Here We Go show with, with Brian Anthony Davis for you Steeler fans. There you go. And you can listen to all of our Steelers coverage on the Steel Curtain Network. Go to anywhere you get your podcast, search Steelers. You'll find us in the top four. Or you can search Steel Curtain Network. We're on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, wherever. Find us, follow us. You can follow me on social media at Jay Hartman, H-A-R-T-M-A-N underscore P-I-T. Coach, as always, thanks for your time. We'll talk next week. Take it easy. Thank you.